Hey, my prayer is that wherever you are, you're doing well. And I wanted to just say thank you for joining uh, us again as we gather together, not together physically, but gather together spiritually as a family. I'm grateful to God that we have the ability to do this. And I say that week in and week out because I don't want to take this for granted. I know years back this would have never been an option. So just grateful that we can meet together and encourage one another in, in the Word. I wanted to remind you of the significance of today. I, I never would have thought that we as a family would not be gathering physically um, at our locations on Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is an exciting Sunday. For me, I have uh, memories of Palm Sunday. I remember as a child coming to church, and I always remembered when it was Palm Sunday because, you know, growing up, they would always have palms, palm branches everywhere, kind of like, a, and, and we would fold them, and I'd tear them and, and whip my siblings with them, and um, uh, maybe that's why we don't have them in our services. They were kind of more of a distraction than anything else. But um, it's a significant day. It is the time when Jesus rode the donkey into Jerusalem uh, in a victorious manner. People used, were yelling, Hosanna to the king. And um, it was a significant time. I want us to focus our attention on that word victorious, because what Jesus did on the cross and what he endured on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, defeating sin and death, enables us, you and I, to live a victorious life. And I want to talk to you today about really two things. The first is this, who are we in Christ and what are we ultimately called to do? And I think it's so important for us to remember not only what Christ did in these moments and through these uh, through this event of uh, Palm Sunday and ultimately Easter and Good Friday and all that we celebrate as a family, but how does it impact us? Who are we because of who He is and what He's done for us? And I wanted us to go in Scripture this morning, and this might be a little bit, well, it is. It's, it's more Scripture than we typically share together on a Sunday, but I want you to grab your Bible if you have your Bible, um, and if not, grab your phone. But I wanted to begin reading in Ephesians chapter 2, and, and primarily I want you to get this, that you and I, when we said yes to Jesus, something was activated in us. We are no longer the same person, and I know it's hard for some of us because we were raised in church, and church has become kind of a part of our, our, our rhythm of life, and it's just what we do, and you, people say, well, why are you in church? Well, I've always been in church, and it's just what we do, but I want you to know that something significant happened in you when you said yes to Jesus, that you were activated um, with a purpose, with a call, um, with a message to carry. And I want to read what the Apostle Paul says to the church of Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2, this is what he says, and stay with me. I want you to listen um, closely as he talks to the church. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, he said, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires of our inclinations, of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4 says this, but God is so rich in his mercy. Mercy is God withholding what we really deserve. You and I, because of the sin in our life, 
We deserve death. But in God's mercy, he withholds what we deserve, the scripture says. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. Verse 6 says this, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us, you and I, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Continue to listen. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Almost done. Verse eight says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. We're not God's accident. We're not God's mistake. We're not God's um, screw up. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us so long ago. I love this thought that, that when we said yes to Jesus and received that free gift, not of works, but that free gift of salvation, that we become activated with, with purpose and significance and, and that God looks at us and has this ability to, to not become indifferent to our sins or our mistakes, but he sees through it and says, no, no, now you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You are a masterpiece in the eyes of God and you have purpose and you have a destiny and you have a message to carry. And to know who we are in Christ is so important because we need to understand that in seasons like this, like we should not operate like everyone else. We should not respond like everyone else's, everyone else responds. We should not um, uh, react and we should not talk and we should not think in the way that the world does. When we said yes to Jesus, we've been activated into a new realm or into a new dimension. The Bible says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And so because of that, I want you to be reminded of this today, right now. I want you to be re reminded of this thought. You are a child of the most high God. You are loved beyond measure. It is, it is impossible for me to articulate in words the immensity or the magnitude of God's love for you. I can't do it. But through this act of what Christ did on the cross and through his resurrection, you and I are seated in heavenly places with Christ. And there's a powerful principle in this. And I suppose understanding that we're not God's accident, we're not God's mistake, we are his masterpiece, and he desires to use us and to, to convey his love to other people through us. The second question would be to ask, okay, if that's who we are, what are we called to do? And I love what Paul says in, in I believe it's 2 Corinthians. Um, he says something, something interesting that I've, quite frankly, I've never forgotten this the first time I heard it. I remember reading this passage in seminary and, and being struck by it, maybe because I felt like this should be talked about 
every Sunday. I don't know about you, but I, I like to just keep things simple and say, okay, at the end of the day, um, what am I called to do? I believe in Jesus. I, I believe I receive the gift of salvation. It's not of works. It is by grace through faith that I've received salvation. Um, but the Bible also says in James that faith without works is dead. Faith is an expression. Faith says something. Faith does something. Which means I can't go around and telling people, I have faith in Jesus. I love God. I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I carry the message of Christ and not have it demonstrated in what I say and what I do. Faith has a sound. Faith has an action. And I want you to know that Paul is writing this in 2 Corinthians to the church. And I want you to hear what he says to them. And, and I'm saying this to you today because I want you to know that, that, that you should have confidence in your response in seasons like this. You shouldn't be confused or perplexed or, or should I be believe it, believe that, or should I say that, or should I do this? And I believe we should, in seasons like this, in such a time as this, that we should have the confidence and the authority um, to react in a way that demonstrates the love of Jesus and connects people to God. But listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. He says this in verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 17. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You're a new person when you say yes to Jesus. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. He continues and says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, talking about how God reconnected humanity, which was separated from sin through the acts of Jesus and then it says, and God has given us this task or this mission, if you would, of reconciling people to him. So some people are talking to me, they're like, well, what should we do? Well, our assignment has never changed. It doesn't matter what the economy's like. It doesn't matter what, what society is doing. It doesn't matter if things are up, if things are down, if people are filled with excitement or if people are filled with pride or arrogance or fear. It doesn't matter. Circumstances around us don't alter or change our task or our mission from God. It says, for God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Verse 19 says this, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us, I want you to hear this, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Another translation would say that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Every time I hear that word reconciliation, I think of this word restore. Restore what? Restore the relationship that was destroyed by sin. Well, what relationship was that? It was a relationship that we as humanity had with God before sin separated that relationship. So what is our task? It is to carry the message of reconciliation with people that we do life with. And I, I want you to... to I want you to let this sink in. The message that we are supposed to carry should be the message that is most frequently upon our lips. I had to catch myself the other day because um, I was in conversation with someone and I, for some reason, felt the need to say, hey, have you seen this? Did you, see, did you hear that? 
did you hear these numbers? Did you hear those numbers? And I got off the phone and, and I didn't say anything wrong. I was just repeating facts and I was talking about the situation. And, and I just felt like it was a complete missed opportunity. And I, I was a little hard on myself because I'm like, man, that's not the message I'm supposed to carry. And I want you to know as a son and daughter of God that we're supposed to carry a message above every other message. It doesn't mean that, that we can't talk about what's going on in society. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is that there is a message above every other message that we've been called and commissioned to carry. It's a message of reconciliation. It's reconnecting humanity to God through the act of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection, defeating sin and death. And that's what God's called us to do, is to reconcile people to himself through Christ. And so every single season, in good seasons, in difficult seasons, in financially blessed seasons, in financially difficult seasons, in emotionally healthy seasons, in in seasons where you're not so emotionally healthy, in every season we're to carry one message. And, And it's a message of reconciliation. And I believe this with all my heart, that when we stay focused upon what we're called to do. And when we, work, when we walk purposefully in our life, passion stays high, excitement stays high, energy stays high, and, and we, we're not confused, we're not discouraged. The Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 12, that Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him. You're thinking, and I don't, I don't, I don't understand. What was, what was the joy? The joy was, was what was beyond the cross. What was beyond, what was beyond the cross? It was the salvation of humanity. It was allowing you and I to be seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. It was, it was the joy of seeing the peace and the forgiveness that was, that would be freely given to all humanity. It was the joy that was set before him. Christ had a purpose and he fulfilled that purpose. And He gives us a message to carry, and it's a message of reconciliation. I find it so incredible that Paul tells the church, he says, okay, here's the message. It's a message of reconciliation. Now, I want you to be mindful of this. I want you to be mindful of of the message that you share most with people. Sometimes as Christians, we think that, that, um, well, how do I share the gospel? I talk to that person all the time, and I, I see those people. Sometimes the gospel is simply expressed through acts of love, through caring, calling someone. Hey, how you doing? Is there any way that I can help you? Um, are you financially okay? Can I buy you a meal? Um, uh, how's your job? How's your, how's your, how's your home life in this, in this season and situation? All of those demonstrations and those acts of love towards other people is an expression of the gospel. And Paul I guess more clearly presents it in this way. Listen to what he says. He says, you have been given this wonderful message of reconciliation. And in verse 20, this way he says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Ambassadors, what is an ambassador? It's a representative of God. And every time I I read that, um, I don't know if I flash to like this this movie scene or I, I just have this perspective of this, impressive individual walking in the room, kind of commanding attention, strong, authoritative, but confident and loving. I recall the interaction. I believe it was Zechariah. 
early on in the New Testament had the encounter with, with I believe it was Gabriel or one of the, the archangels. And, and he was sharing the message that came from God and, and his response was, well, how can this be? And the angel if, through scripture almost seems confused, almost like, um, well, what, what do you mean, how could this be? I'm a messenger sent from heaven. I carry the authority and the message from the throne of God to you. And I started to think about that. And I said, God entrusts us with a significant message, a significant message, one that, that has changed the course of humanity, one that will continue to reshape the globe. And it's the message of reconciliation. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ to all humanity. And that's what we've been entrusted with. And I just want to challenge you. What is the message that's been on your lip, lips in these seasons? And I said it earlier this week that our words create environments. And some of you would agree with that. You'd be like, yeah, you know, I, I can see that. And you might not even know what it says in Proverbs. I, I, I believe I have it written down in Proverbs um, chapter 18, verse 21. It says the tongue has the power of life and death, the power of life and death. And, and you may believe that or you may not. I happen to believe it, which means that my words produce something. They produce something. And some of you may not even realize this, but, but you're living in an environment that you've created with your words. And I, I, I don't know, um, this is a bit of a shout out to all the, the parents with young kids. And, you know, this is a challenging season for marriages, um, for parenting, um, because you have been quarantined in an environment um, for a duration of time that you're not used to. And, um, and it's in these seasons that we need to demonstrate love more than anything else. And, and love is patient. Love is kind. It's slow to speak, quick to listen. I mean, this is who we are. We're people to demonstrate God's love to other people. And sometimes we think to other people and we jump over our spouse, we jump over our kids, we jump over our family and we think of other people. No, no, no. It's to those who are closest to us as well. I know that when Christ was talking to his disciples, he said this, he said, listen, I'm giving you a new command. It's a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. And I remember initially reading through that and thinking, no, that's not a new command. I, I I think he said that a long time ago. And what he had previously stated in scripture is, I want you to love one another as you love yourself. But before Christ left, he said, no, this is a new command. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And I want you to understand this and hear me when I'm talking about loving other people. I don't know if it's possible for us to love other people until we understand God's love towards us. Some people struggle with themselves and the mistakes they've made in the past. And, and if you were really honest with me, you might say, you know what, I don't even, I don't even love myself. And, and I understand that past decisions can feel crippling and they can seem to imprison you in emotions. But when you understand that Christ loves you regardless of what you've done and you receive his love, it enables you to love other people in a unique way. And I want to encourage you to dive into the word over the course of this week and the weeks to come and to get a greater understanding of who he is in your life, Christ, and how much he truly loves you. It's only when you truly understand his love towards you that you're able to love other people in the way 
that you've received the love that he's given to you. Words create environments. Words create environments. My, my, my daughters are amazing. They're loving, they're caring, they're energetic. Uh, and I quickly realized that they are sponges early on when, um, when they started to grow and started to talk. And, and I realized more than, than ever before that my words not only create the environment, but they're developing a perception um, of, of my children, of themselves. And I want them to know above everything else that I love them, that I care for them. And I think as I reiterate that love towards them, um, something strong will grow in them. I'm saying that to say this, that as their father, I want to download into them my love towards them. And God has downloaded his love into us in his word, but we need to read it and we need to get it into our soul. When he says we're ambassadors, um, we are his representatives. And so I want you to picture in the weeks to come, in whatever situation you're in, you may not physically be in a room with people um, over the next several weeks, but you could text somebody, phone somebody, um, and any type of interaction that you have someone, can you be mindful of this? Be mindful that you are tasked to carry a wonderful message, and that is the message of reconciliation. Before you carry the message that you got from CNN or Fox or whatever you got online or on Instagram, you have been commissioned to carry the message of reconciliation. And in addition to that, God wants to make his appeal through you as his representative or ambassador. It's a powerful thought. As I close today, I want you to, to understand that your words create the environment you live in. They will sustain you in difficult seasons. They will help you stay focused upon what you've been called to do, which is carry that message of reconciliation. But I suppose finally, it's this, it's this dynamic of, of really boiling down everything that we believe and saying, do we walk by fear or do we walk by faith? And this season has been a season of testing for many people. It's been a challenging season for many of us. But regardless of the circumstance, I think, I suppose I can say it this way, circumstances sometimes are the best revealers. They reveal what we really believe or who we really believe in. Um, in college uh, at Rowan University, my undergraduate was in the School of Communications. And I remember taking this course called Mass Communications. And I sat in the course and it was the first, first day of the course. And I remember sitting there, I was in like the third or fourth row. I was sitting by the window. I remember this vividly actually. And I remember the professor saying this. He said, uh, you will quickly learn in mass communications that negative announcements or communication travel quickly, much quicker than positive. And I just began to sit there saying, I don't know about that. And then as we started to study in the class, we realized that it's, that it's proven time and time again that negative news is what people were drawn to. They're attracted to. And the more I thought about it, the more I was reminded of, of the story 
in Scripture, in the book of Numbers, when, when, when Moses sent the, the, the 12 tribal leaders into the promised land to spy out the land that, that God was giving them. And, and I remember in Scripture reading that when the 12 came back, 10 of them spoke negatively about it, and two of them spoke positively. And I remember thinking to myself, how could 10 bad reports cause millions of people to, to walk away from, from God's faithfulness and all that God had done? And his constant miracle after miracle after miracle, how could that happen? And then fast forward to 2020. Here we are dealing with real things before us, seeing real issues before us, as those who went into the, to spy out the land saw real issues before them. But then there was a distinction between the 12. 10 brought back a report and two brought back a report. And it wasn't as if Moses was asking them to lie about what they saw. He was asking them to believe what God had already declared. He wasn't asking them to say, hey, um, he, you know, it wasn't Moses saying, hey, listen, Joshua, Caleb, just lie about how big the giants are. Just lie about how fortified the cities are. That's not what he said. Moses just simply said, hey, bring back a report, but bring it back in faith. And God had already promised them the land. And sometimes we don't understand the impact of a negative report. As I was going through this story um, earlier this morning, I realized that there are consequences to what we say in negativity. In this story, it ends like this. It says the 10 men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who had incited rebellion against the promises of God, of the Lord, with their bad report, were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the 12 who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. Listen, Proverbs 18, 21 says that there is life and death in our tongue. And I want to encourage you as we near Easter Sunday, that you would have a good report on your lips, that you can be a person of faith and not fear, that the primary message in your mouth is a message of reconciliation. Hey, I don't know where you find yourself watching today and maybe on your phone, in your car, maybe at home and uh, maybe on your laptop or your television. But wherever you are, let me ask you this simple question. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you ever placed your hope and your trust in Jesus? Have you ever desired to, to be a new creation in Christ and, and start a fresh, a, a new beginning in your journey? If you haven't, I'd love to lead you in a prayer um, to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Wherever you find yourself, I'm not asking you if things are perfect in your world, if you have everything together. I'm asking you if you want to place Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life. If you do, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer. And I say it every week. It's a simple prayer, but it's a significant one. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so before we go to today, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer um, and have you give you the opportunity to repent of your sins 
and to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So right where you are, if you're ready to receive Jesus, let me lead you in this simple prayer. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe that he died on the cross and was raised to life. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you said that prayer for the first time, I'm so excited for you. The Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. The promises of God are over your life. And the word of God says that he's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. I'm so excited for you. I mean, if you said yes to Jesus, make sure right under this video, you click that button saying that I made a decision. We'd love to reach out to you, send you a gift, um, pray with you and encourage you in this new journey. Um, and for everyone else of the True North family, let me pray for you right where you are. We do this every Sunday. Stretch your hand to heaven and let me pray over you right now. Father, I thank you for our family. I thank you, Father, that this is a season not for us to retreat, but this is a season for us to actively advance the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And God, I thank you that even in seasons like this, you're still at work. Salvation is still happening. Next steps are still happening. You're drawing people closer to yourself. Father, I thank you that you're continuing to protect those in this house. And Father, we rebuke sickness in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that we get to walk with confidence and authority. Father, may we be filled with faith in this season and we rebuke fear in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.